Welcome once again to the wall behind and beyond. I am your host, Philip A. Jones. As you know, we talk about topics related to carceral issues and seek solutions to the problems that are faced by countless men and women, as well as families impacted by incarceration. Today, we have a sister who is accomplished and has done extensive work in the field of correctional and organizational culture. She brings with her work over 14 years of experience. As a result of what she has witnessed firsthand, she now recognizes how monumental changes can be made within the correctional system that both support and promote public safety through individual wellness. She also has a vision how the correctional philosophy should be styled, modeled, and implemented. Welcome to the show, our sister, Alizia Thompson. We are happy that you could join us this evening. Happy belated Father's Day. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me, Philip. I am so excited to be participating in your podcast. That's what I'm talking about, sister. We've been trying to talk to you for a while because you got information that our listeners really could learn from and also get some uh, knowledge of how things really function uh, on the inner aspects of policy and so forth. So we're going to get straight to it. My first question for you is, can you tell our listeners where you are from, your background, and how you got into the line of work and career that you chose? Yeah, certainly. I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area. When I grew up uh, here, it was an ethnically diverse place. My dad worked as a plastics fabricator. My mom was an administrative assistant in the admitting department of a local hospital. After my mom had my two younger brothers, who were twins, she had medical problems and she stopped working. My mom developed a physical and mental ailment, and unfortunately, the medical care that she received wasn't very good. My dad developed a gambling problem. And it reared its ugly head and resulted him abandoning me and my siblings and my mom. And then my mom finally decided to file for divorce. My mom died of a heart attack at the young age of 46. My dad was forced to come back to Fresno to raise us. I was determined to create a better life for myself. And I earned my master's degree in public administration in 2018 from the University of San Francisco with high honors. Appreciate that, sister. That was an extensive background, which we are very interested in learning more. This is something that's a hot topic across the country and the nation. They are understanding right now that this is unsustainable uh, in corrections. If people go home broken still after serving absorbing amounts of time, we realize that this is also a part of public safety uh, concern. I actually discovered you when you worked for a nonprofit affiliated with the university around prison reform. I'd like to know now, what insights did you take away from that organization and are there other groups like them who are helping shape policy around prison reform? Certainly, that's a great question. There are quite a few insights and major takeaways from that experience uh, with the organization. The first that I had noticed is that there is an eagerness to try something new that works somewhere. The American correctional professionals that I had the opportunity to meet and interact with understood that accountability and safety alone just created revolving doors. Those folks were hungry for a new way to do their job that was helpful and of service to the offender. There were politicians that had the opportunity to see how corrections is done in Norway who are willing to take a risk and bring the organization to get them started in reform efforts. They took a risk. Politicians were willing to take a risk. Thirdly, there are correctional agencies around the globe 
that are ready and willing to collaborate to learn something new that they can take back to their countries. Also, offenders in Norway do not serve life sentences. To the major takeaway, the Norwegian criminal justice system has an explicit focus on reintegration. In Norway, offenders participate in graduated reentry processes through increasing levels of custody. This is what is called progression. I've been hearing so many things about the Norwegian correctional system. And as you know, I've been incarcerated going on 32 years. And when I first came in, the system was kind of constructed that way. Because even if you had a life sentence, you would promote from maximum to medium, from medium to minimum, from minimum to camp, and then to work release, even with a life sentence. It wasn't until the 1994 crime bill that all of these uh, changes that were made to the system due to what they was calling a war on crime, uh, that they started implementing these tough strategies approaches. And another thing, as you were speaking, when your, your liberty is taken from you, that is the punishment that you receive. And I've seen this across the board. If you focus on punishment beyond a loss of liberty, then you start piling on, and this is damaging to individuals who are incarcerated. We should be preparing them to go back to society, to the community. Um, so I really love what you just said, and I hope that our listeners are able to see uh, the correlation between how our two systems function. The next question I have for you is, how has your professional experience informed your decision-making with respect to criminal justice? Yeah. My professional experience has allowed me to see the criminal justice system, specifically from the viewpoint of jails and community corrections, both the micro level. And when I talk about the micro level, I talk about providing direct services like probation officer to offender, as well as the macro level and seeing and understanding and how policy and practices impact not only those who are incarcerated or on supervision, but how it impacts correctional professionals. Um, I have observed that advocacy groups, philanthropic organizations, and politicians mm -hmm. are typically at the forefront of criminal justice reform. What is great about these groups that are creating these exchange or immersion programs to Norway or with other European correctional agencies is that it allows those people who are in the trenches. I'm talking about the correctional officers, the captain, perhaps even some of their executive leadership, as well as those who are formerly incarcerated. I'm talking about those people who are closest to the problem, who have the opportunity to be creative and come up with the ideas to bring about effective reforms that improve the lives of everyone that are involved. That's powerful. I have to say, I believe that those who are incarcerated, especially who have spent multiple years in prison, I believe that they know exactly what they need to be successful. And so when you talk past them, that's probably one of the reasons why some of the uh, changes that could be made are taking place at a slower level, slower process than should be. But I thank you so much because that's exactly what's needed. And that's exactly the direction that we want to take the criminal justice system because those impacted most are not just those who return it, but society as a whole because of the outlook and the fact that the stigmas placed upon people who have served especially a lot of time. But while you were uh, working for the nonprofit affiliated, you had the opportunity to partner with the Norwegian Correctional Service. Can you tell our listeners what you saw and what you learned from your Norwegian trip and how that correctional model could be a fit for the United States? 60 seconds remaining. GoFundMe to assist with my freedom campaign. You can find 
my GoFundMe by typing in hashtag Incarcerated Lives Matter Philip Alvin Jones. My website, GrantParoleToPhilip.com, is a one-stop shop. There you'll find all my social media links, my story, ways to contact me, and links to my podcast. Keep up with me through social media via Twitter at Philip A. Jones 71. Facebook is Philip Alvin Jones. Instagram is Philip underscore Alvin underscore Jones. My TikTok is Philip Alvin Jones Jr. I've also started a nonprofit, and you can find out more by going to www.insideoutsideconsults.org. That is www.insideoutsideconsults.org Subscribe to my YouTube channel. On YouTube, just look for the wall behind and beyond. And I want to thank you very much for your support. And keep listening to the wall behind and beyond. Olivia, please continue with your answer, please. Sure. Um, I had the opportunity to not only meet eager correctional professionals from the United States on my trip, but there were also formerly incarcerated people who are in attendance who came along to see how Norway does business. They were magnificent and they are doing powerful, powerful, life-changing work, let me tell you. As far as, you know, what we did while we were there, we visited prisons and halfway houses, including the, the high security flagship institution, Halden Prison, which has been featured in the New York Times, films, and other media. We visited the Norwegian Red Cross, which provides uh, new social networks for those post-release from prison offers supports to them, resources to help former offenders with mental illness and substance abuse problems. Uh, we visited the Correctional Surveys of Norway Staff Academy, also known as KRUS, K-R-U-S. The Staff Academy is an accredited university that conducts prison officer training and education for all levels of correctional professionals. When an officer completes their two-year program, yes, that's what I said, their officers do a two-year program, they earn the University College and Correctional Studies degree. That Staff Academy also offers supplementary courses for those students who wish to obtain a bachelor's degree in corrections. Lastly, there were workshops where attendees would have group discussions about their experiences and receive comparative education on the United States and Norwegian criminal justice systems. Something that I think that we definitely, that could fit us is just to get people together formerly incarcerated politicians, get them all together to go on that trip and see those institutions and see the memorials and see the Norwegian community-based organizations that are also helping out and getting people back on track and reintegrated in their communities. I think that's that's something that was very powerful in that experience. It sounds like there's a lot of training takes place uh, so that they will be prepared for their engagement with uh, those who are incarcerated. And it also sounds like, uh, from what you described, the way that they uh, implement their system uh, causes the recidivism rate to be very low. But we know from, from that, as evidence that it works. That brings me to this. Do you think 
the way that the Norwegians do business, we the corrections and rehabilitation can be fully implemented here in the States? And if so, uh, do you think it would be a tough sell? From my experience, understanding the importance of consistency in training, consistency and fidelity in the delivery of services, in my opinion, If the United States decided to adopt uniform practices for all prison systems across the nation, focused on rehabilitation, community reintegration, and evidence-based, culturally responsive case management, the way the Norwegians do business still couldn't be fully replicated and implemented. I'm going to tell you why. Our criminal justice system has a history of disproportionate imprisonment, disenfranchised people, immigrants, refugees, Native American people, and of course, people that look like us who are the descendants of slaves. Our criminal justice system has a history that must be acknowledged. It has done generational harm to families and community. Though it is a tough sale, the federal government and state prisons on, on their own level kind of do their own thing. However, I believe if policymakers, researchers, and practitioners can come together and focus on repairing generations of harm, that perhaps that might be a way to guide the work. In the meantime, I think it's great that there are agencies who are borrowing a few things from Norway and other countries to make life and work inside prisons better. And who knows, maybe those folks will be champions going up to Capitol Hill and asking for uniform practices and reforms. That is powerful. And I think that um, with that type of insight, as we work together with other organizations, how can other organizations be a part of the discussion to bring about carceral reforms or restructuring? Who do you think should have a seat at the table? <laughs> yeah, Philip, there's going to be a theme to the way I, I kind of answer these questions. I believe one of the most powerful things individual organizations can do to bring about reforms is to build coalitions of stakeholders. I'm talking about criminal justice professionals, nonprofit and community-based organizations that serve those who are incarcerated, philanthropy, people who are currently incarcerated, the formerly incarcerated, researchers, academics, and politicians. All of these groups have phenomenal people and ideas, and they need to be talking to one another about what it is that they bring to solve these problems. With that said, there needs to be checks and balances on the criminal justice system, and every entity that has a public interest has to be involved. For sure. And I call them stakeholders, because the taxpayers who are the families, uh, and also people who don't even have people incarcerated or paying taxes to sustain our prisons. And so it's in the best interest of all of us to make sure that the system does what it was designed to do. Uh, that is to send healthy individuals back to their communities so that they can become contributing members. Where do you think your path will lead to now as you segue into the next phase of your career? I find that my main, the main takeaway from my experience is the principle of progression from the Norwegian Correctional Service. I think that's something that I can champion internally in prisons and jails, given my practical experience working with justice-involved youth. I understand how progression works for young people, for them to earn privileges and programs under short-term commitments and conditions. Fortunately, juvenile stays are typically very short. Reintegrating them into the community isn't as challenging because there are mandates 
I'm talking about specifically for the state of California, that agencies must provide to provide youth with support. I have observed a gap in services. There are people who spend exorbitant amounts of time in prison. I'm talking about 20 to 30 years behind bars. Just think about what has happened with technological advances over the past 30 years. How can we expect people who spend that much time behind bars to get on a computer today and apply for a job and to open a bank account? And just think about what it would be like to go grocery shopping for the first time or going and trying to buy yourself some clothes, not having being in a grocery or retail store in 30 years. There's no reason why reform efforts should not include a step-down system, increasing the amount of freedom of those serving their sentences. Maybe a policy job with a think tank or a PhD working with an academic center, working on prison reform will be the next phase of my career. I think I have a lot of practical experience, a great understanding of the literature that's associated with evidence-based practices, uh, particularly in probation and community corrections. I have a broad knowledge of the political landscape of the field, and I have a master's degree. I think I would be a great asset anywhere I go, really. I think that you're going to be a phenomenal person to address uh, the needs that are definitely starting to be talked about all over the world, not just here in the States. But what you said about individuals being incarcerated for so long, the technological advances are, you know, shooting past them. And then the system is not prepared to bring people uh, up to up to speed on how um, some of this stuff works because we're not allowed still in 2022 to have uh, some of this advanced technology. That's a part of the remodelization that I think about uh, in our organization called Inside Outside Consults. We want to address these needs while I'm still here. And when I'm out, hopefully we will continue uh, to bring about reentry uh, strategies that we know work. We want to be able to come home to a job already, not buying one. We want to be able to come home to an apartment furnished, people having credit, money in the bank, etc. We we want to we want to give a person everything they need to succeed. And some of these organizations that say that they want to be in partnership with that, those are the ones who we want to work with. So finally, how do people get a hold of you who may want to work with you? or invite you to be a part of this most important discussion. People can reach me through my LinkedIn account, and I would like for you to share my LinkedIn information in the description box of this podcast. I thought that was uh, eye-opening. I think that the people will really appreciate you. Yeah, I, I, I hope so, too. And most importantly, I hope that there are folks that are like, what? We used to have like step down programs in the 80s that we need to get back to should be able to resonate with with folks. Thank you so much, Philip, for having me on. This was a great experience. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Alessia. We appreciate you and we look forward to working with you in the days to come so that we can help to make and bring these changes that so many of our people and our, and our residents across the country uh, could use to help uh, navigate their way through the system. Take care and have a great night.